Well, that's a comforting gospel, huh? Wailing and grinding of teeth. You yourselves will find yourselves cast out of the kingdom of God. Not comforting at all, but I will tell you what is comforting. As a priest, when you're walking outside to the back of the church and a little girl runs by you and says, Hi, God! I was very comforted this morning. What are we going to make of all this? The gospel opens today with a very interesting question. One I'm sure that's crossed your mind. It should. It's crossed my mind many a time. Lord, will only a few be saved? There are two ways of looking at this, especially in the modern mind. I think if you would talk to the older people in this church, the older Catholics, they would be more of the understanding of mortal sin. There was more guilt. Uh, There was more catechesis. There was a real possibility of going to hell. And sometimes I think that that guilt and that shame, it kind of kept building and building and building until the pendulum swung the other way. And you have the post-Vatican II generation that basically just says, forget guilt and shame. Forget sin. Everybody's saved. In the end, God is love. He will triumph. Archbishop Fulton Sheen once famously said, it used to be that Catholics believed only the Blessed Virgin Mary was immaculately conceived, but now everyone believes they're immaculately conceived. So which is it? How do we answer that? For the record, I believe both of these are bad formation. Because one swings you to a side of rigidity and, and, yeah, a little too much of the guilt and shame. But the other one swings you into a spiritual indifference. And so of the two, I would say what the younger generation, the post-Vatican II generation has been given is more dangerous. Much more dangerous. Why? Well, because if everybody's saved... What? Why would I change? Why would I even try to get better? <clears throat> if in the end, we're all going to heaven, it just produces spiritual indifference. I mean, and it, by the way, it's a pretty sweet religion if you think about it this way. Right? You can do whatever you want, sin away, have a great time, and don't worry, you're going to heaven. Who cares? But that is not Catholicism. It's not like Jesus is just going to end of our our lives just going to be like, you know, get it, come on. Come here. Everybody gather up. Let's have a group hug. No. For the record, I don't believe Jesus will send any of us, any human being, to hell. Ooh, Father's a liberal. (laughs) No, I believe that we'll send ourselves to hell. That's the way it works. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Follow me. But if we don't live according to that, if we live according to ourselves, it's about me. It's about me. It's about me. It's about me. When we get to the end of our lives and the Lord is arms spread wide saying, come to me, and you will say, it's about me. And you'll leave. You won't want heaven because you haven't lived for heaven. So what is it? Are a few saved or are many saved? If we look at the 
some of the theologians of the church, some of the great ones, St. Augustine or St. Thomas Aquinas, we see that they believed more on the side of fewer. Our Lady of Fatima gave the children of Fatima a vision of souls falling into hell like snowflakes in a snowstorm. We North Dakotans are very, very aware of what that looks like. That's a lot of snowflakes. It's a lot of souls. How does Jesus answer it? I think Jesus answers it in a masterful way. He doesn't say, oh yeah, everybody's saved. Do whatever you want. And he also doesn't say, ooh, (laughs) not very many. Good luck. What the Lord says instead is to the question, are only a few saved? He says, do something. Do something. Strive to enter through the narrow gate. And in this answer, for the record, my friends, I think he does give us a little bit of a kind of an insight into the actual question. Because he says, right after strive to enter by the narrow gate, many will attempt to enter but will not be strong enough. I want to give you an example to help kind of modernize it a little bit from my own life. And the example I want to use is golf. I love golfing and this has been a good year for me. I've really straightened out my drive. Couple times I've got about 280, 300. My drive can go really far. But there are about a thousand different ways that I hit my drive. Some fade, some slice, some I top it and it doesn't go past the lady's tee box. Sometimes I crush it. Here's the reality, folks. From my backswing to connection with the ball is a very narrow path. And few find it. And how do you find it? How do you make sure you have the consistent swing over and over and over where it goes straight every single time? 270, 280 yards? You have to work at it. I doubt that a good golf instructor, if I was swinging, he was watching me hit, he would be like, you are terrible. You're never going to amount to anything. You're an awful golfer. Why don't you just give it up? Nor would a good teacher say to me, ah, swing whatever way you want. It's going to work out in the end. A good golf teacher is going to say to me, first and foremost, Father Waltz, you're not that good at golf. And then he's going to say... There's a very narrow path for you to hit the ball straight. And it's going to take an immense amount of work. I need to tweak your, your, your golf swing. I need to change your stance, your grip. And it's going to be frustrating. But my friend, once you find the path, golf is going to take off in your life. Because you're going to play better than anybody you know. And it's going to become a lot more effortless. But it's going to take some real work. It works the same in fitness, right? There is no easy path to fitness. The path to being overweight, pun intended, is wide. And many people take it. I one time, I don't know if you ever saw this infomercial for, it's called the Acai Berry. It's A-C-A-I. Looks like Acai. Anyway. It said you could basically, it's like a superfruit or a superfood, and if you, if you take it, you can eat whatever you want. 
I'm like, that's awesome. So I ordered it. And I took it. And it was great. Like in two weeks, I gained eight pounds. (laughs) Because we know, we know this. What is the narrow path to to, to being in shape? You got to work out and you got to eat well. That's just it. And if you do that, you will find the narrow path to fitness. So what is Jesus ultimately saying? I am the way. I am the path. Unless you look like me at the end of your life, you don't get in. This gospel should rock us to the core. Because listen to what those people say. They say, Lord, we taught in your streets. We ate with you. We knew you. We were around you all the time. And he says, depart from me. I do not know you. Modernize it. Let me in. I was really well-intentioned. I don't know you. Let me in. I occasionally went to Sunday Mass. I don't know you. Let me in. I gave money to the church every once in a while. I don't know you. Do you know him? Is at the end, it's the ultimate question. And the more we know him, the more we become like him. The more time we spend with him, the more we become like him. I'm not saying you have to be perfect. We all get sidetracked. We all get bumped off the narrow road and we take those little side roads. But do you, do you always strive to get back? Or is this it right here? Is this it? Is this the narrow path, just Sunday Mass? Now for the record, I believe that every one of you in here want to be saints. I believe that every one of you in here is trying hard. My job is not to sit back and say, hey, you're doing great. Keep it up. My job is to say, let's go a little further. Let's take it one more step. As C.S. Lewis said, God is easy to please and almost impossible to satisfy. Every little thing you do is awesome. But we got to just keep moving and keep moving and keep moving. That's how you become saints. That's how you become a good golfer. That's how you get in shape. That's how you anything. I used to speak Spanish fluently. Not anymore. Because I don't practice it. I used to speak Italian fluently. Not anymore. Because I don't practice it. Why would any of this not be the same in the spiritual life? You guys, we are called to be saints. That narrow road looks like moral discipline, liturgy, prayer, service to the poor, becoming another Christ. The sad thing is, is most most Catholics hardly take advantage of one of these things, the Mass. How do we expect to look like Him, act like Him, think like Him, if we're only with Him for an hour a week? In the second reading, God says to us very clearly, That God disciplines every son or daughter that belongs to him. That he loves. God does this because he knows that if we're not disciplined, we'll never change. Think of a kid who's never disciplined. They're a nightmare. Absolute nightmare. So, are only a few saved? Jesus says, don't worry about it. Just start living like me. Does everyone get in shape or only a few? Don't worry about it. Just start eating right and working out. 
Does everyone hit your golf shot well? Don't worry about it. Just start practicing. Go get your bucket of balls and get on the range. If we're preoccupied with who is saved and who isn't saved, we're never going to get on the road. We're never going to act. How many will be saved? Don't worry about it. Just get to work. Start living the life you know you're supposed to be living. Doing the things you know you're supposed to do. You do this and you will find the narrow road that leads to eternal life. And my prayer for myself, for you, for every Christian is we may always strive to stay on that road. Discipline, hard work, yeah. Worth it? Absolutely.